This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Very good. So first of all, I just want to go back and tell everyone again that we're very excited that, that we haven't had a Shabbaton in three years. Um, the Ornav Shabbaton is something very special. Whoever was there, right, Malki, you could tell them. It's, uh, it's something, I don't think there's another... Huh? Right, it's rejuvenation. It's a beyond your imagination. Um, so, Mitzvah Hashem, it's February 3rd. Uh, which is not that long from now. And uh, we'd love everyone to come. We have an unbelievable lineup of teachers, speakers, music, artists, um, shachanim. And um, being that we haven't done it for three years, um, we really want to do this one like super, super special. Okay. So um, just call Ornava and they'll help you out. Four, sometimes there's four girls in a room. It's not, you know, it's, it, 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 it breaks down the price. Some people like to be in a room alone. They pay a lot of money. It depends what you want. Whatever you want. We have rooms, so whatever you need. Yes. You need the raffles. I didn't get... I I came straight from Muncie, so I didn't get the raffles. So uh, we'll have to get them for you. Next week, there's no shear. So how am I going to get them to you? Um, it's a good question. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to try to figure it out. How to get your raffles. The raffles we're talking about is that if you don't want to spend your own money, you could, set, you could sell raffles... Um, or now it's giving away a trip, round trip for two. There it's a throw. It's ten dollars a raffle. So if you sell the raffles, you could use that money to pay for the for the Shabbaton. So it doesn't you don't have to take anything out of your pocket. So a lot of girls are doing that. Okay, so everyone's invited. Um, again, it's the Shabbos of February the third. That's better than any Shabbaton I could offer you. That's for sure. There's nothing better than 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 Eretz Yisrael. Um, we're working on something huge right now for Ornava. I'm not going to talk about it yet, but in Mitzvah Shem, it's for November because it's going to take us that long next November. Right? It's a it's a it's a huge project, the biggest project we ever took on. Well, because I'm not ready yet to talk about it, but we'll see. In Mitzvah Shem, um, but it's very big. We you know we don't we don't sleep. Like the Panavetcha Rav said, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. Right? That's what he said. And he built, and, and he built Panavetcha. What? No. Not even a hint. Stay tuned. And because you come to the Shear, when I do announce it, we're not going to announce it in front of the camera. So you're going to know about it before anyone else who's sitting home, didn't drive here, didn't park, didn't go in the cold, drinking tea. Turning it on, turning it off, going, re- you, know, you know, we have to give something to the people who come here. So, um, but anyway, I had to make a decision a long time ago. This room used to be full Wednesday night. Full, both sides. Both sides, hundreds of girls came every Wednesday night. Because 15 years ago or 13 years ago, there was no internet. So you either came here and got the shear or you didn't get the shear. When Torah Anytime came to me and said that they want to, put the share online so I realized that the crowd here is sort of going to disappear because why do you have to drive and sit you can eat nobody can see you you can eat in front of the camera you can be eating soup and noodles and whatever you want you can turn it off go to sleep for two hours turn it back on so I had to make a decision and my decision is that the reason that we give share and the reason that we exist is to give Klyasro the most Torah that we can if you ask Torah anytime how many people watch the Wednesday night share, it's in the thousands, lots of thousands. So 
actually in this room right now with us because the camera is actually you can't even move because there are thousands of people in this room so that's what it's about it's not about people it's, it's not about COVID it's not about having a crowd it's about spreading our Shabbat Torah that's what we're going to talk about tonight so we're going to go back to it's going to be a Hanukkah a Hanukkah share but we have to do a lot of stuff before we get to Hanukkah so we're going to go back to Pashva Yetze okay Yaakov Avinu goes out, he has a dream, right? And Yaakov wakes up in the morning, he takes the stone that was underneath his head, right? And what does he do? He takes the stone and he makes it into a monument. And he pours oil, he anoints the monument, okay? In the Oitzer Ploysatera, my new favorite safer. He brings down the following. He has a question, his question is like this. The safer Paneach Raza Hiksha, in a safer called Paneach Raza, he asks, Minayin Hoyolo the Yaakov Shemen. Where did Yaakov get oil from? Right? He wakes up in the morning. And he takes the oil and he anoints the stone. Isn't it true that Alifa's the ace of sun ran after him? And he took everything from him. He came, he said, my father said, I have to kill you. He was a Talmud of Yaakov. Yaakov said, you don't have to physically kill me. You take all my money, I'm an ani, I'm poor. The word says, ani chash of kemes. person who is very poor, has nothing, is like he's dead. So he said, lamdish, right? So you can go back to your father, I'm dead. You took all my clothes, you took everything. So he took everything. The Medrash says, he didn't even leave him with a pair of socks. He left him with nothing. And he, Yaakov had to go into an oasis. There was a, a, a river, a lake, whatever. And he had to go into the water up to his neck. Because he, he took away everything. And it says it was a miracle that a, a sheik, Arab sheik, came to the watering hole to, to, to drink and to, to cool off, to, to go swimming. And he took all his clothing off. And he went swimming, and he got a cramp, and he drowned. So now Yaakov had the clothing from this from this Arab, and that's how he was able to leave the water. But he had nothing else. And it says over here that he woke up, took the oil, and anointed the and anointed the rock. Where did he get the oil from? Right. So he answers that Yaakov had one thing. In Pasha, it says in the Pasha. The I came across the Yardane. All I had that belonged to me was a stick. One thing he didn't take away was a stick, because the stick that had no value. The stick had no value. So that he was still a poor man and therefore he could still be considered as dead. Well, what did Yaakov do with that stick? It was a very special stick. It was hollowed out. So it looked like a regular stick. Well, the stick was hollowed out from within. What did he put into that stick? He put a little jar of oil in the hollow of the stick. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he put something else in the hollow of the stick? Water. He says, He, Yaakov Avinu, realized that it's going to be nighttime. He's going to be traveling. How's he going to learn? So he was, that's all he was worried about. So instead of putting water or food in the stick, 
he put oil in the stick in this little teeny jar so that at night he'd be able to learn Torah. That was Yaakov Avinu. That's all he was worried about. Okay? So he took some of that oil that he brought to learn Torah and he anointed the stone. That's where he got it from. That's one. That's from the Paneach Raza. Okay. The picket the Rebbe says that when he woke up, Hashem, it was a miracle that Hashem put this jar of oil next to his head. So he didn't bring it with him. It came from, it came from Shemayim. Okay. Now, what happened with this can of, what was special about this can of oil? Now listen carefully, because it's very important. When Yaakov, when in Pasha's Vayishlach, last week's Pasha, when Yaakov was scared of Esau, so he split up the, the two camps, and it says that he went back to get something. Rashi says, he went back to get pachim ketanim, small little jars. One of those jars, that the reason he went back for it in the middle of the night, he would go back tomorrow morning when the sun comes up, was because it was the little jar that he, that he had carried in his stick, or that came from Shemayim, and what was special about that little jar was that as much as you poured it out, it automatically refilled. So it was a jar that had a nace to it. In fact, it's brought down that that jar of oil was used to anoint the Mishkan, Moshe Benu, the Kahanim, the first base of Midash, the second base of Midash, all the Kalim in the base of Midash, and every single Jewish king. That oil went through all the generations, and no matter how much you anointed, it refilled itself. It's brought down, and I, I saw this in a few svarim, right? And Bircha Shmuel brings this down. That, that was the jar of oil that they found on Hanukkah. And therefore, it poured all eight days. So, because it refilled itself. The question is, the first day of Hanukkah is not a miracle. There was enough oil for one day. So if you have eight days, and there's enough for one day, so how many days are the miracle? Seven days. So why do we celebrate eight days? First day is not a miracle. We should celebrate seven days. And the answer is that since on the first day when he poured the oil out of the jar, the jar refilled itself, so that miracle happened for eight days. There's many answers because they won the war, because they found the jar. There's, there's I think, a crazy amount number of, of answers to that question. But one of the answers to the question was that this jar... The first day they poured it out and it refilled. So this was a very holy jar of oil. Why was that the jar of oil that ended up in the base of Migdash not being destroyed by the Greeks and and being used for the nace? And that's what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get there, but it's gonna take us a little while to get there. Why was it that jar of oil? So anyway, so so Yaakov Avinu had this jar of oil. And it was, it was hidden in his, in his stick, and he used it to learn, and he used it to anoint in the morning when he woke up, and he, 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 he and he called that place, we know that, uh, that was, uh, Basel, right? And that was like the holy place where there was a ladder, and he found, he saw God standing on top of the ladder. So this is a very important moment when he took this oil and he made a, a, a monument. What was the monument? The monument was that, that this world is an amazing place and that God dwells here. Okay. Now, let's go to Pasha Yishlach. I wasn't here last week. Rabbi Lamb was here. 
So this is what happened in Pashva Yikra. We're following this can of oil. Right? Yaakov was left alone. And a man, he went back to the Pachim town. Let's just look at Rashi. Um, he was left alone. Shokach, he forgot, Pachim Tanim, a small jar. And he went and he and he went back to get them. So that's why that's why he went back. Okay. Now the Sifsechachomim says Ulevado alone Kimo Lechado. It's the same letters except a Chaf and a Beis, which actually, if you look at them in Hebrew writing, are pretty close to each other. Bechiluf Beis Bechaf Shemati B'shem Harav Azuli. So he, so, so he went actually back to get kado. What's a kado? Levado is a kado. Kado is a jar. It was this jar. He said, I'm not, I can't leave, that jar was so holy. How can I leave it on the other side? Maybe I'm going to lose it. So he went back in the middle of the night. And he was alone. If you want to say the two people fought, you would say, they went to war. Means that they kicked up dust. Comes from the word avak. Dust, avak lashonara. Avak is dust. Now, girls, if I came in here tonight and I said, you know, no, I don't want you, anyone going outside right now because there's these two people. You know what they're doing to each other? Oh my gosh, they're kicking up dust. You'd be like, Rabbi, what does that mean? What are you saying? Like, kicking up dust? That, uh, they're fighting. They're beating each other. They're shooting each other. They're stabbing. They're killing each other. Don't go out there. But I shouldn't go out there because they're kicking up dust. So why does the Torah use a Lashon in this big war between Yaakov and the Malach of Esav, a Lashon of kicking up dust? And this dust kept being kicked up at Eloi Sashachar until the morning star. And the Angels saw that he could not beat Yaakov. He hit him in his thigh. But take a kaf Yerech Yaakov, and he dislocated Yaakov's thigh. When he was kicking up dust with him, you just told us that they were kicking up dust. Why are you telling me again that he dislocated his? his um, thigh when they were kicking up dust. It seems to be that the kicking of the dust caused the dislocation. Again, he was able to dislocate his thigh when he was kicking up the dust. Why are you repeating that? It's a very big question. With a very beautiful terrace. Okay. So, the Malach tells Yaakov, let me go. Yaakov said, I'm not letting you go unless you, unless you, unless you give me a bracha. He said, what's your source? The Malach knew who he, who he was fighting with. What's your source? My source is Yaakov. No, no more Yaakov. We are, I'm going to call you Yisrael. Okay, so now Yaakov says, okay, now you know my name. Thank you for giving me a new name. What's your name? Why ask me questions? And he gave him a bracha. 
You're telling me that Yaakov Avinu fought all night with someone and he didn't know who he was? And at the end of the fight, Rashi knew who he was. Rashi says, Ish. It wasn't an Ish. It was the Malach of the Satan. So Rashi knew who he was fighting with. And he didn't know who he was fighting with. A whole night he's fighting and in the morning he's like, by the way, who are you? He knew who he was fighting. It was a huge fight. He knew it was the Satan. Why are you asking him his name? And what does this mean? What, 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 what bracha did he give him? He changed his name from Yaakov to Yisrael. Why is Yisrael better than Yaakov? We learn this every year. Like, why do, who, who told you to change my name? I told you, give me a bracha. I didn't tell you to change my name. He asked him for a bracha. He doesn't give him a bracha. He says, you used to be Yaakov. Now you're Yisrael. What kind of bracha is that? Give me a bracha that I should be able to beat the Satan, that you leave me alone once a year on Yom Kippur, that I'll have a... My children will never go off to Darach. You're the Satan. You'll leave them alone. He asks them for a bracha. He changes his name. You, you go to a big tzaddik for a bracha. I, I need a shidduch. And he says, what's your name? Miriam? That's Rivka. How about having kids and getting married? It's Rivka. Give me a bracha. So what's, this whole parsha is very hard to understand. And it has a lot to do with Hanukkah. We're going to get there. Okay. So let's answer the questions. So Avak is dust. The, the fight, uh, this is so true. Every time I say over the shear, it's like, it's so true. It's not, it's not, it's unbelievable. The Satan knew that all of you would be by the shear in Tavshin Ein Zion. He knew there'd be from people in Williamsburg and in Lakewood and once he, he knew that till Mashiach comes, there will always be religious people that learn Torah, that learn the dot. He knows that. He knew that. The Satan knows Hashem said, till the end of the world, the Jewish nation will exist. He's like, Yaakov Avinu, you I can't beat. You're sitting and learning. You're, you're into purity. You were worried about learning at night. So you, you saved oil to learn at night. You're into clarity and purity. Yaakov Avinu was very clear and very pure. You I can't beat. But I can take care of your generations that are going to come from after you. I can't hurt you, but I'll hurt all the girls and boys and all the people that live in Tufshinai and Zion in 2016. But how am I going to hurt them? They're going to go to Beis Yaakov. They're going to marry from. They're going to keep Shabbos. They're going to light candles. They're going to make Pesach, right? So how's the Satan going to hurt us? He knew he couldn't take that away from us. Yes, there'll be Jews that'll go off the derach, but there'll always be Jews that are on the derach. Today, there's more learning than there ever was. He said, I know what I have to do. I am going to take the beauty out of Judy, out of Yiddishkeit, out of Torah, out of Tznias, out of Shabbos, out of Purim, out of Hanukkah. I was in a Hanukkah store today to buy some Hanukkah stuff. So they have a, a candle, a blue candle, and when you light it, it sings Ma'asur. <laughs> the whole Ma'asur. It's like, we're so lazy that we're going to have a candle Sing Mozart for us. I'm not saying where. It's in every store. It's in every swarm store. You can buy it in every swarm store. It's cute. You want to buy it for your kids. You know, they can light it. I don't know. I didn't look at it. Whatever it is. The whole point is to sit on the couch with the kids and sing Mozart. They could sing with the Yeah, they could. They could. And I talk about this every year. And all the ready-made can- all the ready-made 
candles that they have, you break the glass. Now they don't break the glass anymore because we all used to cut our fingers when we broke the glass. With jagged, would cut your finger. So now they just have a little, a little cap. You pull it off. It's all pre-made. You light it. You don't get. It says on it, no grease, no stains, no oil on your hands or anything, and, and you don't. And everything is like. There's a lot wrong with that. There's a lot wrong with it. This was the war. The Sutton said, it's not going to be beautiful anymore. It's going to be fast and easy, and you're just going to get it done, and you can buy your pre-made latkes, and you don't have to, you don't have to rob the potatoes anymore. And what, let me explain to you what he did. What he said was, that I can't take it away from you, but I can make it dull. So I'm going to take the beauty, the shine, dust. What's the power of dust? What does dust do? When, when you have beautiful furniture and you have dust on the furniture, you don't see the beauty of it anymore. When you have silver and it's all dusty, or you have a painting and it's all dusty, or, or, any, or anything that gets all dusty, what dust does, it dulls what the dust is on. That's why you, have, you dust your furniture all the time. That's why you have lemon pledge, right? To get rid of the dust and make your furniture shiny. So the sultan said, I won't, I won't take it away, because you Jews are not going to give it away, but I'm going to take the beauty of it away. What is the beauty of lighting the candle? My father, Oliver Shalom, and I do it to this day. You can ask my kids. I make the wicks. I take cotton balls. Now the problem today is it's very hard to find a cotton ball. You go to the store and it says cotton balls, right? And you, it's cotton ball. You think it's a cotton ball, but it's not made out of cotton. It's called a cotton ball, but it's made out of rayon and all these other things. So here I am making the wick, and I light it, and it melts. The wick melts. It doesn't burn. They don't burn. So you have to find cotton. Find cotton. I dip it in the oil. I twist my wick. I dip it in the oil, both sides. So the, right, my hands are full of oil. They smell from shemen zayis. Right, kind of my father always. It's Hanukkah. Nothing automatic. Pour the oil in. Get my hands dirty, get the floor dirty a little bit, you know, I have some stuff underneath it. The beauty is, is like, it's like Shlachmanis. I was telling my guys last night. So Shlachmanis, girls and guys, people send us cards. Dear Rabbi Wallstein, this card is instead of Shlachmanis, I donated $18 to Time Shabbos. I cannot eat that card. I don't care that you donated $18. Donate whatever you want. What does it do with me? Right? Because you're so lazy. Put it, making shlachmanis, forget about it. Baking the cake that you're putting in it, that was in Europe. But even to buy shlachmanis. So, you fill out 20 cards, you send a check to Tanakh Shab, and you say, that's not the dinner shlachmanis. Halakh is shlachmanis has to be food. You know how many cards, of, how many cards they get a year? I'm like, what? You want to give tzedakah? I didn't die. Like, you're giving tzedakah in my name? Like, what are you doing? Right, because there's a lot of ways with things. I think giving to Tom Shabbos the money is a big mitzvah. That's how I. You send me food. I won't waste it. <laughs> what? So you know what? So I get, I get, a, so so I get a hundred shlachmanis, and I have all this food. What do I do with it? I go to Shemir Shabbos downstairs, where all the poor people go, and I put out all that fruit, and they're in heaven. So that's good. That's okay. So you have to come up with what or or. But you know what? What you get, I hear you. But what you give, bake a, make a kugel, make ten kugels with a with a bottle of, of grape, whatever it is, and give it out. You, you get your hands dirty. Nobody gets their hands dirty anymore. 
Everything is done for us. Shabbos is done for us. Everything, you so get your hand. So, so, okay, so Shabbos, whatever, certain things you're not gonna, you can't, you can't, it's very hard to make, you have to buy. But Hanukkah, not to make the wick? I, I come from a house that is just, and, and I make my wicks, and I get my hands oily, and my fingers smell, and it's a gishmaka smell. It's Shem and Zayis. So, but the Sultan said, I'm gonna, we take the beauty out of Yiddishkeit. You're gonna take the whole beauty out of it. If there's no beauty left in it, then in the end, this is unbelievable, because what does it say? It says that the dust went all the way up to the Kisei HaKavad, to God's throne. Now that makes no sense at all, because no matter how much dust you have, it's going to go up five feet, six feet. Hashem's throne is in, in, in seventh Rikia. You can't get dust, to, so what does it mean the dust is going to go? And it's very true. So you think, okay, so my mitzvahs are not shiny and new, and I, I don't think they're beautiful, I don't get excited about it. Big deal. It's not, so it's not the end of the world. Yes, it is the end of the world. In the end, you'll become an atheist. In the end, when it's not beautiful, after a while, God's not beautiful. His throne's not beautiful. His world's not beautiful. And, and, and you'll, you won't believe in him anymore. So the warning, they're saying, the Sutter, what do you think the Sutter cares if your mitzvah is beautiful or not? His, what he wants is you disconnect from God. That is what the Sutter wants. That's what he's after. So how's he going to disconnect a good Jewish girl who went to Beis Yaakov, went to seminary? What's going to happen? Her, her Shabbos is going to be boring. She's all day long going to be reading magazines and all the papers, all the newspapers. Her, I was just telling, I was telling the girls in my seminary, I'm like, you know, if you understood what lighting candles is, you would be down a half an hour before Shabbos. If you understood, you would put your makeup on, get your hair done, put your Shabbos dress on, you would come, you know, when you buy these, um, when you go to Eiffel's or any of these stores, and you buy these Hadlokas Shabbos, you know, that you hang up with the bracha and the and the, and the Yiratshan. So it has this woman, and the candles are glowing, and her face is glowing, and the kids are glowing, and like the whole picture is glowing, right? Walk into someone's house, Erev Shabbos. She's running down the steps, her hair is wet, I don't know what's going on. She's screaming and yelling, the kids aren't dressed, nobody's ready. She gets to the candles five minutes after Shabbos, or just at Shabbos, and, and I gotta run back upstairs because the kids aren't ready for shul, and this is that, and that's, that's how you light candles. But the picture shows, there's a glow. Where's the glow? Right? And the answer is, it's not beautiful. Luck is nearest, which is, which is when a woman is a coin gadol, it's when she's standing, According to the Zayar, it's when she's standing by the menorah in the base Hamikdash, and she is the Kohen Gadol, which you're not going to be when Mashiach comes. Now you could be the Kohen Gadol, right? And she's standing at the Neiros in the base Hamikdash, and it should be the most beautiful moment, no matter what your week was like. Was beautiful moment to dive in, to open up your heart, to connect. It's through light, it's through candles, it's through purity, right? And everybody's running, jumping, going crazy. So that was, that's his koyach. His koyach is that it's not beautiful. And, and, and I spoke about this last year. I, I asked my class this year. I, I gave, the, I give the girls out papers and I said, don't put your name on it and write me two things that you feel in this world, two things that are beautiful, that Hashem created. And the girls, are roses and, uh, diamonds and sunrise and sunset. And one girl said a rainbow. One girl said the ocean. Right, a beautiful poem, a beautiful play. Nobody said Torah. Nobody wrote on their paper Torah. So when I said to the girls, like, 
why didn't anybody write Torah? So the girl in the back said, because beauty is physical. I'm like, that's it. You just gave me a whole share. Beauty is not physical. That's Yavon. The Greeks say that beauty is physical. What we're going into right now, which is Hanukkah, the war of the Greeks and us was that the Greeks said that a body is beautiful. Strength and muscle is beautiful. Torah? Torah is not beautiful. There's nothing spiritual in the world that's beautiful. So Zeus and Venus and Hercules, they're statues. The statue is beautiful. The physical aspect of spirituality, that's beautiful. But spirituality, it's ugly. And the Jews, they had to destroy the Jews because the Jews were the opposite. Right? We sing Ashish Chayel. The beauty of a person is not what's important. Have a little, it's nothing. The beauty of a person is their spirituality. So they went in and they said, the three things that bring Jews beauty and purity, those are the three things we're not going to let them do. Only three things. You could wear a shaitel. You could make a bracha. A guy could have his sisters out and wear a yarmulke. They didn't care about that. They cared about three things. They had three laws. One, no Shabbos. Because Shabbos is beautiful. No Rosh Chodesh. Because Rosh Chodesh represents all the Yom Tovim. Pesach and Pur, all the Yom Tovim. So no Rosh Chodesh and no Shabbos. And no Bris Milah. Because Bris Milah represents a physical difference than the Greeks. And Bris Milah represents purity. Those were the three they were after. Everything else. You want to keep Pesach? You want to eat matzah? No problem. You want to eat a sukkah? No problem. Rosh No way. They went after the Jews who believed that spirituality is beautiful. They were the opposite. They were how you do on your test. That's beautiful. How you do in the Olympics. They created the Olympics. The amphitheater. They created the Olympics. What is the Olympics? The Olympics is nothing about purity. It's about a winner. And everyone else is a loser. Judaism is not based on goal. We don't have a goal. Judaism is based on effort. Greek mythology and the whole Greek culture is the effort is meaningless. There is one winner. When they had the gladiators, it's one winner and the other guy's dead. And, and when they had the Olympics, whether it was the power to throw or energy, there was one winner. And I, I feel very bad every time they have the Olympics because you have all these people that work their whole life for that one race. There's only one gold. There's only one gold. It's a millionth of a second. She gets the gold. She's on the, he's on the Wheaties box and on the cereal box. And you don't even, you will never know the names of the other 500 gymnasts. You will never hear about them. You will never see them. Their whole life they put into, you know why we don't know about them? Because they were one tenth of a second later than the other one. That is the opposite of what we stand for. Their belief is goal-driven. Goal-driven and physical. So when this girl screamed at me and she said, beauty is, is only physical, that's why we didn't write Torah. I'm like, you are a Greek. You are there exactly what they did to Western civilization. And we all are. I, we all are. I went to the guys, I write, write me two things that are beautiful. A Maserati. 
A Ferrari, a girl. Thank you very much. That's what they wrote. A mansion. Nobody wrote the Torah. Because we don't connect in our head Torah with beauty. And if we don't connect in our head Torah and beauty, then we are Greeks. Then they didn't lose, they're still existing. And this is what this is what the Malach of Esau did to Yaakov. He said, I can't beat you, but I can beat your children. So where he he dislocated him in the groin and the thigh is a representation of where your children come from. Yaakov made Eliezer swear when he was going to go to get Rivka that he would not take someone from Canaan. It said that he swore on Avraham's thigh. Why? Because a thigh is where a person, the, the groin is where a person's child comes from. So if you swear on the groin, you're swearing by your children. So it's like a real shua. Now, that explains the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that the dislocation was by the Ha'afko. The dislocation is going to come by the dust. The dust is what's going to dislocate your children. That's what's going to dislocate your children. Nothing else, the dust. That it's just not going to be beautiful anymore. Shabbos is not going to be beautiful. Everyone walks around. It's boring. I don't know how I'm going to get through. I can't wait till the Seder is over. Oh my God. My brother wants to say another Dvat Torah. You know, and we all know we're all very smart. So when the kids want to say the Dvat Torahs, we say, listen, we're hungry. Say it by the meal. And then you know, by the meal, they're not going to say it. Half of them are asleep. And you don't have to listen to it. You're in a rush. We finished by 11.30. You think the Seder is beautiful? If you were watching a movie, would you be happy that it's over? You'd be like, oh, come on. There's no more to the movie. What's going on? Stupid people, they go to movies. After the movie's over, they watch the credits. For 10 minutes, they sit in the movie theater and they watch who the third or fourth cameraman was. Like, who cares? Right? Because they don't want to leave the movie theater. Maybe there'll be something left. Until that, until the screen goes dark, they're like, maybe, maybe there's a joke. Maybe there's like, like, what do they call that? You don't, you're not supposed to know. No, after, after the bloopers, right. Maybe there'll be a blooper. Right? Does anyone sit by the center and say, maybe there'll be another Vatoira? You can't wait to get out of there. What the Shabbos? Oh my gosh. The early minion? Everyone's out. So if you're not a smoker, what's the rush? Where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing tonight? I don't know. I just got to get out of shul. I, I just, I, I got to take a shower. I, 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 ugh. What do you mean? Shabbos is, ugh? What does that mean? I got to take a shower right away. You should sit an extra half. Rabbeinu Tam, sit in, at least an hour after Shkia. What are you running 45 minutes or 50 minutes? What are you running? What are you showing Hashem? You're showing Hashem. I'm out of the, I'm, I'm not even waiting till the end of the movie. I'm out of here. This was his kayach. This is what he did to Yaakov. And at the same time, what else does dust do? Dust makes things very unclear. And the Satan said that your children will not have clarity. I will take away their clarity. They just won't, they won't see things that are clear. They will rationalize the worst of errors in their head. And they'll say, but I'm doing it, you know. I told you the story. This, this, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a group of girls that, um, 
well, there was one girl that I know anyway, but it's a group of girls. So she she uh, met this boy, and and boys are very smart. They know how to get girls, and girls are maternal. You're born with maternal instincts. That's why girls play with dolls. Guys don't play with dolls because we're not maternal. Maternal means to to protect, to nurture. Physically, you can nurture a child. We can't, right? To create. That's what, that's what women do. They, they get pregnant. They create a child, so to say. They nurture and protect the child. So then you have a, a doll that you nurture and you take care of. I remember my sister many, many years ago when we, I'm talking a long time ago, they came out with a doll that, 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 uh, that wet, wet its diaper. It was like the most amazing doll in the world. You poured water down its mouth and then it wet its diaper and it had real diapers and they sold out. You couldn't get one. You couldn't get one. Why? Because it's mom's like taking care of a baby. Women have pets. You know, they, they like to take care of things. So, in fact, one of the reasons that horse therapy works so well and dog therapy works so well is because girls are maternal. Guys are like, horse, get out. You know, who needs you? Gives him a kick. He didn't run. Forget about it. Girls are like, can I brush the horse? Can I clean the horse? The guys are like, I don't know. I got time for this. Right? So girls are very, you know, they're very maternal. So, so I have this girl that this guy... You know, we're, we know how to hunt. We know exactly how to get a girl. So he told her that ever since he met her, he started going to Minion. So that's it. She's done. She can never leave him. Because if I leave him, he's going to stop going to Minion. So chas so, v'shalom. So, so, and, and he was not a good guy. And I said to her, I said, um, are you showing me Gia? Uh, not, uh, not really. I don't know what that means exactly, but it's not good. Right? Nah, not really. I'm like, but he goes to Minion. Ah, so you think you're at Sadekista. She goes, well, have it, we, we pretty much wake up the whole yeshiva. We call all the guys in the morning, and we get them up. The vecker in the yeshiva, the guy who goes around waking them up, can't get them up. The girls call him there because I went to Seder because of you. I started talking to my parents because of you. We pile on all this stuff because now women's guilt, you'll feel so guilty I know he's not for me. I know he's not good. But Rebel Wallstein, if I leave him, he's never going to put on tulin again. I'm like, you're not shaming the gear. You're chayef courage. You're worried about, you're worried about tulin? And the answer is, yeah, rationalization. It's like, I'm doing something very bad, but lemaisa, it's a mitzvah. That's called not having clarity. Not being able to see clearly what you're doing, right? I'm not going to get into my whole Zumba speech. I don't want to go there again. But that was my discussion with the girls that were in front of me. They were like, it's English music and it's Latin movement, but it's exercise. Now, these were girls that were not listening to Gaiyush music at all. They were Beisakov girls. That speech was to a bunch of Beisakov girls, not to the world. So I was telling them that the bottom line is calling it exercise doesn't stop that music from going into your ears and into your soul. Ushemo, you know, Ushemo, exercise. But the bottom line, and, and what happens, you, now you like that non-Jewish music and you, you listen to it on the way home. The Sultan's very smart. We rationalize. It's exercise, right? In the nine days, people are listening to music because it's exercise. So it's not really listening to music. Or they're in their car and they're like, well, I listen to music in my car because I can't really drive my car without music. I'm like, I thought you can't drive your car without gas. <laughs> Never knew you couldn't drive your car without music. So we, we, we take things that are wrong and we twist them 
And we rationalize, and, and the biggest bracha is to have clarity, is to be able to see clearly what is right and what is wrong. What happened over here? Outside of taking the shine away, when there's dust, you can't see. In a dust storm, I've been in one in the Judean desert, I was in a dust storm, you cannot see an inch in front of you. You have to wait, go down, put something over your head, and you have to wait till it stops. You can't see anything. So, outside of taking away the shine, he kicked up a lot of dust that he wouldn't have clarity. So Yaakov asked him for a bracha. Listen to this. He said, what's your name? Yaakov. He said, I'm going to give you a bracha for clarity. That's what you want? You want clarity? I'm going to give you the biggest bracha for clarity. I'm going to name you clarity. And a person's name is who you become. So he gave him the name Yisrael, which stands for Yashar, straight, Kale. Being able to see God straight, with clarity. Nothing interfering. And that was the bracha. He didn't change his name. His bracha was, you're worried that your children, you're, you, you, your children are not going to see clearly. I'll give you a bracha that your name will be Yisrael, and that will give the kayach, for part of Yisrael at least, to be able to see clearly. This was, this was this whole war that was going on here. And this is very connected to Hanukkah. And I'll tell you how it's connected to Hanukkah, and then I'll tell you the ultimate story in clarity. So how is this connected to Hanukkah? So this is connected to Hanukkah in the following way. If you look at Al-Hanisim, I came very prepared tonight. If you look at Al-Hanisim, which we say in, um, in, the, in the Shemona Esrei of Hanukkah, and we say in the benching of Hanukkah, it says the following. In the days of Matas we went to war. Hashem had Rachmanes. The, the, Hashem gave the strong and the weak. He gave the many to the few. He gave the Tumayim to the Tahirim. He gave the Risham to the Tadikim. Your name became great in the world that a bunch of Maccabees were able to beat this, uh, Greek empire. And you made a big miracle for us. And now listen to the ending of, of Alanisim. After they finished the war, your children came, they came into the base Hamikdash. They cleaned it up. They cleaned it up. They cleaned it out. They cleaned it up. They made it tahar. They made it pure. And they lit the candles in the courtyard. And they made a rule that we have to keep eight days of Hanukkah. In order to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There is no mention, no mention in the only thing that we talk about in davening, we say Halal, but what, what, what's Hanukkah special is Alanisim. there is no mention of the miracle of lasting one day, it's supposed to last one day, it lasted eight days. And there, and you're, Alanisim, you're already talking about it. And they came to the base of Midrash. And they lit the Menorah. And that's what you tell you. And we only had enough oil for one day. And it lasted eight days. No. So it seems to me that they omitted it. They were there already. You're talking about, I'm saying you only talked about the war. So I would answer the girls. You know why he doesn't talk about the miracle of the Hanukkah Menorah? Because Alan Yisim only talks about the war. I can't answer that to you. It talks about the Menorah. They lit the Menorah. And they didn't say about the miracle. And then, and they made eight days. They didn't say why. And to say hollow. What's going on over here? Why aren't you talking about the eight-day miracle? So the terrace is very, very beautiful. 
The Teretz is, the answer is, the Maccabees, they were Kahanim. The Chashmanam knew that the Jews were coming out of, I don't know how long the exile was in the Greek Empire, but it was definitely in hundreds of years. Hundreds of years we assimilated and were brought into a empire that believed that beauty is physical and that there's no such thing as purity that the beauty is a physical thing Yisrael, the Kahanim knew that we have to break that we have to break that and we have to show the Jewish nation that beauty is not physical but beauty is spiritual so when the Kahanim came into the base Hamikdash, instead of going straight to the menorah, now there's a, there's a Jewish law that's called Tuma Chutra B'tzibur, which means that if the majority of Jews are Tameh, then you could use Tameh things. So the oil that they found when they got there, which was all broken, the seal of the Kohen Gadol was broken, was all Tameh, hundreds, thousands of cans of oil. They could have used. They didn't need a miracle. They could have used. Why didn't the Greeks pour out all the oil? They just broke the seal. Why not they pour? You can imagine they came in, start pouring on the oil all over the floor, all over the place, right? Because they knew that they, if they break the purity, that's what they were after. The, the, the purity was the simon of the coin gadol. So they broke all those. They said, we don't have to pour out the oil. Let them light the menorah. But let them light the menorah from impure oil. No problem. There's no beauty in that. There's no problem. Let them light the menorah, but not with pure oil. So they just broke the seal. Now the Jews came, the Kohanim came, and they said, if we use oil that's not pure, we are feeding into the Greeks. Because our beauty is our purity. So the first thing they did when they got into the base of Megdash is they said, we're not lighting no menorah, we're not bringing any korbanos, the first thing we're doing is we're turning over the whole base of Megdash, we're cleaning everything out, we're cleaning all the avoid desert out, we're cleaning all the tumma out, we're cleaning all the schmutz out, we're going to make the base of Megdash tahar. Once it's tahar, we are only going to use oil that is tahar. We are going to bring back to the Jews who were in this impure, not beautiful spiritual world, we're going to bring back Purity and beauty. So we're going to search until we find a drop of purity. Better a drop of purity than a thousand cans of impurity. They forced God's hands. I saw in a safer that that jaw was not there. That jaw was not there. Hashem made a miracle that the Malach brought the jaw there only because we forced his hand. We said, for you, Hashem, impure is not enough. Even though halakhically we could do it, but for you, Hashem, we're coming out of this most impure Greek empire. We have to bring the Jews purity. So we are going to search until we find something pure. Better one day of pure oil than eight days of impure oil. So the Tzvarim said, HaKash Baruch Hu actually brought this jar from Yaakov Avinu's jar, and he placed it in the base HaMegdash. That's why the Greeks missed it. Because it wasn't there when they searched. And we forced it. Because had we done Tumahut with Tribble, there would have been no miracle. 
Hashem doesn't make miracles unless He has to. So, if you have the jars of oil that are tummy that you could use, why would you have to make it last eight days? You have enough oil. But because we said that second best is not good enough, and impure oil is not good enough, we're only going to use pure oil. So Hashem said, that they, that's what they want to give me? They, they want to come back to purity and beauty? Then I have to help them do that. And that caused the eight days to happen. Now let's look at Alanisim girls. They came into the Beis HaMikdash. They turned it over. They made it pure. They made it clean. They lit the menorah with the purity and the clean. So therefore, the, the miracle of the eight days, we caused it. Because we wanted purity, we forced Hashem to make a miracle. He didn't have to make a miracle. But once we took the pure oil, we only had one day, He was forced to make that miracle. So the miracle is because of Klai Yisrael. And that's why the mitzvah is to put the menorah in the window. Who's supposed to see the menorah? Not the guy. Everyone thinks, we're not, we're not Christmas. We don't put a Santa Claus out there. Everyone thinks that we put the menorah out there. The people in the street should see it. The guy should see it. The guy don't have to see it. We're not interested in the guy seeing it. It's the Jews that have to see it. We have to, and why do we put them in the window? To show in remembrance that there was a time where Yiddishkeit was beautiful. There was a time where there was purity. And Hashem said, I'm so proud of my children that that's what they wanted for me. They didn't settle for Tumahotra Mitzvah. I want to show off, like you're showing off your kid. I want to show off in every Jewish window. Show them what you did for me in the times of Hanukkah. That you didn't settle for second best. Oh, it's kosher. Oh, it's okay. No. That was the fight of Yaakov Avinu and Esau. And, and the Malach of Esau. And that's Yavon. And I'll tell you something very fascinating. Do you know who Yavon came from? Anyone here know? Who was Yavon's father? Greece. Who was the father? You go back to Pasha's Noach. This is also very, very beautiful. And then I'll end with, we tell you a story. So if you go back to Pasha's Noach, it says the following. Be'el told us Noach, Shem, Cham, and Yafes. Right? Three children. Shem, Cham, and Yafes. Yafes, the word Yafes comes from Yifas. Yifas means beautiful. So, Bnei Yafes, the children of Yafes, who were they? Gomer, Magog, Madai, Persia, the Yavan, and Greece. Yavan. Yavan comes from Yafes. So Yavan comes from beauty. So what did they do wrong? If they come from beauty, and that's all that they, that's where they come from, that's their Shirish, is Yefes. So what did the Greek Empire do wrong? Because Noah gave them a bracha, listen carefully. They abused their beauty. Noah said, let's read it from inside. Said that Yefes, There was a bracha. Oh, here. Yaft Elokim la Yefes. God should give beauty to Yefes. But the Yishkon Ba'ale Shame. Yefes should dwell in the tents of shame. Who came from shame? We do. Christ will come from shame. So the bracha that Yaakov gave 
is that Yefes use your beauty to dwell with Klai Yisrael. Use your beauty to show what's Ohel, Ohel is the yeshiva and the shul of, of Klai Yisrael. The beauty of Yefes should be in Yiddishkeit. Not a separate beauty. Yefes, you should dwell, your beauty should dwell in the whole, the Ohel Eishem, in the yeshivas, in the Tyra, in the base Medrash, in the base Knesses of shame. They didn't do that. They went, they went off and, and, and made us their Avadim. They put us into Golos. They didn't, they didn't take their beauty, the idea of beauty, and mix it with learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. That's why the Greek Empire had to be destroyed. That was their godless. So that, that Noach, Noach already saw that Yephus would have beauty, and he said, but don't waste your beauty on Hercules and on, on, on gladiators and all this other stuff, and on Fashion Week in, in Paris and all this stuff. The beauty, bring beauty to Yiddishkeit. Hanukkah has to be beautiful. Shabbos has to be beautiful. Rosh has to be beautiful. Purity, Brismila, purity has to be beautiful. Now, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to be sneers. I hate it. I'm struggling. I hear it all the time. Biggest struggle of a girl is sneers. So there's no yefes. It should be like sneers is something very beautiful. So the world says a short skirt is beautiful. That's, that's, that's Yavon. So that's what they say. That's what's beautiful. And you have to go to Paris and, and all the fashion shows and all the, these mushchasim designers. And that's what's beautiful. And they sell it to us and they advertise it. And you're like, wow, that's a beautiful day. That's a beautiful, no one ever, definitely even further than getting an answer that Torah or Yiddishkeit is beautiful. I never got sneers as beautiful ever on a piece of paper. Never. It's not even in the realm that I have to wear a long skirt. It's beautiful. I feel like uh, I'm a slave. I have to listen to these rules. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. A lot of things are a struggle. That's, that was the struggle of, of Esau and, and Yaakov. He said, I'm going to get you that your kids, Yiddishkeit is going to be a struggle. Everything's a struggle. Kosher's a struggle. Tzius is a struggle. Going, learning Torah is a struggle. Going to Minyan for guys is a struggle. Everything's a struggle. Kibbut of Aim. Wow! What a struggle, Kibbut of Aim. The Torah is beautiful. And the more you learn it, and the more you understand it, and the more you hear the secrets of the Torah, the more beautiful it gets. Shabbos is the expression in Kabbalah of Shabbos is beautiful. Hashem, Hashem went into his treasury and he took the most, the Lushness, he took the most, not the most powerful or most boring, he took the most beautiful thing that he owns, Ushma Shabbos! And we're like, oh man, I can't wait till this is over. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get into the shower, I gotta get out. Month of Shabbos, half an hour after Shabbos, it was in the pizza shop, I don't hop. I don't hop. You ate a whole Shabbos. They have to get out. So you're in prison. We gotta get out. Can't stay home. I'm home a whole Shabbos. I gotta get out. So what do you say to Hashem that it's beautiful? Instead of saying like, you know what? Let's do, let's do an extra hour Shabbos. It's not even in your mind. I mean, also, it's not even our minds. Like, one Shabbos a year to sit there and say, let's sit, let's have a long Shabbos Shuddhist, let's learn some Torah, let's sing Zmiris. What's the rush? Let's start Shabbos 15 minutes early. 
right? It happens to be that one of the biggest schools for Shiduchim or anything, you go to a Rav, you go to Rav Chaim, go to anybody, is like make Shabbos early. Why? So I make Shabbos 10 minutes early every single week. My mother-in-law makes Shabbos 10 minutes early every single week. She's at, Shabbos is 7.10, uh, uh, she lights at 7 o'clock. Always 10 minutes early. He says for food. It's for everything. Why? Because what you're telling Hashem is, I'm excited about this mitzvah. I'm coming 10 minutes early. When, when you go to a party and you show up 10 minutes early, what does that mean? You want to make sure you don't, you don't want to miss anything. Right? So when I was, when I was many, 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 many years ago, when I went to movies, right? So maybe that's going to save me a little bit in my business Shalmaila, because I was always late. I was always 15, 20 minutes late. I had to guess whatever. whatever. I, was, I'm, I was always very late. So in Shalmaila, I'm like, hey, even movies, I came late. So, you know. But no, you have to, it's, my grandfather was Shalom was always the, the, one of the first ten in the minion. Always. Not he came to shul on time. He made sure he was the first ten. So his tefillah, he's saying to Hashem, I'm here early. Why am I here early? Because I don't want to miss anything. There's a beauty. It's a beauty in Yiddishkeit. And that's what we lost. And that's what we got to get back. And that's what you got to do this Hanukkah. You got to get it back. And, and really what you need is just to find one mitzvah that you could give God that's pure. Because they didn't have a big jar. They only had a little jar. But because it was so pure, Hashem made it last for eight days. And then, of course, after eight days, they had enough oil. If you could find something that you could do with simcha, with happiness, with purity, and it's something that to you is beautiful then that little mitzvah in your heart, Hashem will take that mitzvah and you'll become a person you won't even recognize anymore. Because you have to give Hashem a keli, you have to give him something. You know, when, by, the, by, the, by the Navi, when he called Shunamis in and he said, we're going to pour oil, he said, bring, bring the jars from all your neighbors. Right? And, and as, as many jars as you had, that's how much oil it's going to pour. Could be with this... Could be he brings down that it was this jar also that did that. I believe he brings that down. So what, they asked the question, why did she have to borrow stuff? If you're making a miracle anyway that the oil is going to pour, just make a miracle that she should have 6,000 barrels of oil. Why did, right? And the answer is, you have to have a keli. Even to have a miracle, you have to have a keli. You have to have a vessel for the miracle to be shirat, to be in. So if you want, if you want, you're like, I'm so far from God, I'm so disconnected, I don't feel him, I don't, I don't feel anything. So yeah, so you, so you don't have a keli. So where's God going to make a miracle? How's he going to help you? And the answer is, so make a little teeny keli. I'm going to keep, I'm going to make Shabbos 10 minutes early. That's my keli. Ah, we have a little keli with pure oil in it. Now we can make that keli last eight days, eight years, 80 years. But you got to, you got to find something. It could, it could be Shabbos early. It could be kibbutz of aim. It could be davening every day, but making sure that it's on the right zman. Whatever. Every person has to know what they have to do. Not to talk Lashon Hara, not to curse, not to answer back. Whatever it is, but it has to be done all the time with simcha, with, with happiness. And you have to look at it as a, this is my beautiful mitzvah. I am sure if I went to first grade and I told the kids to write for homework, my beautiful mitzvah, each kid would come back with a beautiful mitzvah. So that's what we have to find. We have to find something that's 100% pure. I'll end with this. I've said it before. Um, I have so much to say on this week's Pasha. It's my favorite Pasha. Yosef Um 
there is one just very fast thing I could tell you. It says that the Ksenis Pasim that he wore was actually the, the clothing that God made for Adam. God made Kasnas Ar. That was the, that was the Ksenis Pasim. So he brings down, why didn't Jacob believe that Yosef was dead? Why you mind this nothing? Because it says in the Medrash that when you wore those clothing, Nimrod, the animals would come and bow down to you. Whoever wore those kustas are, because the kustas are was made with Hashem's hand, so to say. So it had, it, they, they, they thought it was God in the clothing. So the animals would bow down, and therefore, when they went to hunt, he just, the animals right there, you didn't have to chase them. That's what the code that Asaph wanted. In the end, it seems to be that when Rivka put it on Yaakov, to go to, right, so that he, that it would smell for the that Yaakov never gave it back to Asaph. So he had it, and he gave it to Yosef. So he brings down. Now, the, the, the brothers came back and they brought his son as possum, dipped in blood, and they said, a wild animal killed him. Yaakov's like, it can't be a wild animal killed him because if he was wearing this, no animal would kill him. They all bowed down to him. He said, this is not true. That's how he knew it wasn't true. Okay, let's just, just give you a little bit on the partial. But anyway, the story goes like this. I'll tell you it's very fast. I have to apologize. Not apologize, but... They decided to make my high school's Hanukkah party tonight in Borough Park at 8 o'clock. So it's now 10 o'clock, and I haven't been there yet. So I promised them that I'm going to run, even though I know I had some meetings with girls, but I can't make it because i got to take care of this first. So after I finish the year, I do have to run out, not because I don't care, but because they're already there for two hours without me. So I'll end with this story. I read in the Jerusalem Post about 25 years ago, there was a group of Israeli soldiers that were chasing terrorists in the Judean desert, and two of the soldiers got disconnected from the rest of the group. And they were in the Judean desert in the middle of the summer. I've been there. It's about 125 degrees in the shade. You, you can't last out there. And these two guys got separated under this big high sand dune, and they ha- they're out of water, and they're dying. And the Israelis are looking for them. They can't, it's, it's a big desert. The two little specks. And they're, they're helicoptering. They can't find them. So a, a day in, one of, one of the two guys that were on the sand dune, they're out of water. So he started to get a fever from the heat. And he started to hallucinate. He started seeing things that weren't true. So he's telling his friend that is not yet hallucinating that he sees on the bottom of the sand dune, God made a miracle. There's a lake. Let's go down jump in the lake, drink, it's going to save our life. It's a mamash, a miracle. We're going to tell everyone about it. So the other friend looks down at the sand dune. There's just a lot of sand. There's no, Of course, there's no lake there, right? So he says, you're hallucinating. Just lay down, on, and maybe they'll find us before we die. But you're hallucinating. If you're going to go down there, you're dead. You're never going to be able to climb back up here. He says, no. You know, when your person sees something and they're hallucinating, they're sure that it is. You can't. He says, no. And not only that, I'm going to save you too. And he was much stronger than his friend. And he starts to schlep his friend down the sand dune to the sand. And they're both going to die. So his friend said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll go with you. Just just one second, he says. He's very brilliant. I read this in the Jerusalem Post. He's a brilliant guy. He said, here's the deal. I want you to look down at your lake. If you see, look up for us. He says, see the blue sky and the sun? Yeah, it's very bright. He says, if you look at your lake and you see the reflection of the sun and the blue sky, it's a lake, I'm coming with you. But if you look at the reflection in the water and you don't see anything, it's sand, because sand doesn't reflect. So the guy looks down, he says, that's so weird. 
I'm looking at the water. I don't see the sun. I don't see the sky. He says, that's right, because you're hallucinating. And the struggle, anyway, to make a long story short, he, he got him to stay for another hour or two. A miracle, the helicopter found them. They were saved. This guy, who was very sick, they brought back. They were fluids and everything. This other guy wrote in the Israeli newspaper, the Ma'ariv, in Hebrew, the one that was hallucinating, how smart his friend was that he came up with the whole thing of the, of the reflection and that he saved his life. So the Jerusalem Post took it and they wrote it in English. I was in, I was in Eretz Israel. That's all we used to read every day was the Jerusalem Post. That's all they had in English. And I'm reading this story. And I'm like, it's, it's godless. His friend was talking brilliant. And then it dawned to me. How do you have clarity? And Watson says, you, we got a bracha, Yosher Kale, Israel, right? Yosher Kale. How do you get clarity? Yosher Kale. How do you know if God wants that to happen or not? Does he want you to wake up that boy? To go to Minion? If, should you be talking to boys? Is that the right thing? Or is it the wrong thing? Look at the reflection and what you're about to do. What I'm about to do, talk to a boy? Is that what Hashem wants me to do? No, for sure not. Then you don't see God's reflection in the water, right? Then it's sand. Then the mirage, who's the king of mirages? The king of mirages is a satan. You think you see something, you think it's going to be great. In the end, it's not as great as you thought. He's the king. So how does one know? How does one have Yosha Kale? Yosha Kale is the Yosha is if you see the Kale. The Yosha is, and what about you're about to do, you see God? You see that's what he wants? Then you're doing Yosha. If it's not something he wants, no matter what you're going to think and, 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 and try to figure out, it's wrong. It's sand. Sand doesn't reflect. Sand is dust. Dust is what the Satan of Esau, the Malach of Esau, threw at Yaakov. Sand doesn't reflect. So the bracha that he gave Yaakov was that Klaeso should be Yashar Kale. They should be able to know when they do things right by looking at the reflection of God. If God is not in the reflection, don't rationalize. It's wrong. Don't get off the sand dune, because you'll never get back on the sand dune. That was the bracha. Hanukkah is about clarity. Hanukkah is about purity. There's a machlokas, if on Hanukkah you should light mahadrin, or mahadrin mina mahadrin. Mahadrin means that you light one candle every night. You just change its position. The first night is the first one. Second night, you light another one. You don't light eight candles. You light one every night. It's mahadrin. You don't have the, you don't have the money. Right? It still says, no. You have to light mahadrin mina mahadrin. Why is this the only holiday that there's a thing called mahadrin mina mahadrin? Pesach says no Mahadrin, Minah Mahadrin, and Shur says no Mahadrin, and Purim says no Mahadrin, and, and Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. Why is Hanukkah the only yontif with the something called Mahadrin, Minah Mahadrin? Because it has to be beautiful. Mahadrin, Minah Mahadrin means double special. Hanukkah, it has to be beautiful. Because the war against Yavon, against this world, they say what they have is beautiful. On Hanukkah, there's an Indian, Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. It has to be extra beautiful. And that's what we need to work on. That in our lives, being a Jew, 
You know, there's make America beautiful again, is make the Torah and mitzvahs beautiful again. That's the new slogan. Forget Trump's slogan. Our slogan has to be make Torah and mitzvahs and being a Jew beautiful again because it's not very shiny anymore. It's not shiny in school. It's a test. It's a mark. It's a subject. It's Yavon. Torah wasn't, Hashem didn't say, I'm giving you a new subject. Here, take the Torah on Hasinai. It's a new textbook. God didn't give us a new textbook. And what happened today, because of Western civilization and competition, and who got the best mark, and who's valedictorian, everything became competition. That's their whole, who did you marry? Are they rich? Is he handsome? Is he smart? Did you get the best guy? Did you get the best girl? Did you get the prettiest girl? It's all competition. Do you have the nicest house? Are you the smartest person? It's all competition. Competition is Yavon. It's the Olympics. In Judaism, there's no competition. It's all effort. That's it. There's no winners and there's no losers. It's all effort. Hashem says, give me your best. In Olympics, giving your best is not enough. You don't get nothing for that. You only get something for winning. Hashem says, I don't want you to win. I just want you to try. So my bracha to everyone is that this Hanukkah, we should be able to find one pure mitzvah that we should make pure, and God should take that purity and make miracles, spiritual miracles for all of us. There is no, um, there is no class next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.